Before this episode begins, just a quick reminder that we are not professionals in any way. The views, information or opinions expressed in this podcast are solely the views of the individuals involved and by no means represent absolute facts. Opinions expressed by the hosts and guests can change at any time. G'day guys, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk About It. We are your host Jacob and Josh. And we have had a little bit of time off. Uh, we both had COVID at the same time and over Christmas, all those types of things. So we've sort of held off a little bit. But today we're going to bring it back. In this episode, we'll be discussing about the books 12 Rules for Life and Beyond Order, 12 More Rules for Life. We will also be discussing about the author, Jordan B. Peterson, and how he has rose to his fame, how he serves in the general public and his philosophy. The reason why we want to get into a bit more of this subject is because Josh and I have uh, held a lot of conversations around um, Jordan Peterson, not just his books, but the way that as people, as how we feel by from perceiving his perspectives, what it actually has done for our lives. So being able to elaborate to people that have heard of him or want to know more of him, this can sort of bring people to a point where they're like okay i might actually investigate because he has really done a number on me personally and by the sounds of it what you said before to me about how you didn't really look at religion (laughs) for what you looked at religion for what it was and now you see it as something as a book of philosophy or psychology that you can sort of bring to yourself yeah yeah pretty much the first book 12 rules for life the first time I read it, I was pretty. I was against religion, like at all costs. That was, that was my creed. I was like, no, nah, no religion. I don't understand it. It seems stupid. How could you believe in something so fantastic? So the first time I read it, I kind of dismissed a lot of the points, which is why I did enjoy the second book, Twelve More Rules for Life, more because it was less. It didn't reference the Bible anywhere near as much, whereas. 12 Rules for Life did. It references it in every rule. But going back, after kind of reading a few things and kind of thinking about religion myself and kind of viewing it less from a literal standpoint and more as a, say, the Bible as a book of like how you should act as, as if it's an instruction manual and not a literal historic account, then I kind of started to see, well, I don't have to actually believe these things happened in order for me to get these rules or lessons that one could and should get out of it. And so being able to divorce those two things, going back and reading 12 Rules for Life again, it was a lot more rewarding. And it's kind of a shame that I had to put that barricade in the in the way to begin with. But in kind of... One way I'm glad it was because it's kind of made me realize how if you read it from different perspectives, it can be a book that's just you view as being a piece of shit or a book that you view as being absolutely amazing and you reread it over and over. And for me personally, like the things that it puts forward, it's, it's very like take responsibility. Don't allow yourself to be a victim. Live your life by rules, find purpose, find meaning. It's very, it encourages the idea of like being the hero in your own life, especially in a world that kind of demonizes masculinity a lot. Um, You know, toxic masculinity, this, that one thing, another, it's like you shouldn't be a man. Um, Men should feminize themselves um, because it's better that way. His books kind of give like a, no, you have a purpose, you know, be who you're meant to be, live by solid rules have a solid basis don't allow yourself to be pushed around and find a purpose and that's what i that's what i that's what i genuinely enjoy about his uh way of talking about that is that he doesn't just say that it serves within everybody he gives you the reason for why it does serve in you so it's like masculinity for men isn't just inherent inherent due to uh the way we structure language yeah it's not a social construct no it's something that actually happens within you and he puts those things forward he doesn't just give you what you don't want to hear and then leaves it as that he gives you reason or if you want to 
find where he's wrong, then you have to go through what it is that he has offered in this argument debate, whatever it is you oppose him for, and figure out whether or not your reasoning is good enough to meet his. And some people will get offended, but me personally, when you look at what he was saying, it's just like, well, unless I actually want to investigate, (laughs) then I should probably take what he is saying as something that is considered as truth and stuff because what it is that it, whatever it is that he's actually offering within the book can serve you in a broader sense if you just allowed the truth to be what it is, a and truth. Al- and also, it's not like Jordan's some random bloke. He was a professor at the Toronto University, a tenured professor, meaning a lifetime professor, had hundreds of citations. And then it was like the reason he became originally blew up in the media was because I think it was Canada was trying to introduce compelled speech law. I think it was a, a specific compelled speech law. And with Jordan having looked into like authoritarian regimes, like he's ideologies very, and ideologies, like that was one thing he was yeah, very invested in those things. And he saw this as a step in that direction. And so he spoke up about it. And then because of that, I think, what was it? There was a few news articles that kind of tried to paint him as a, like an alt-right talking head and that he was anti, you know, he was homophobic, anti-trans or transphobic and all that. Whereas originally his point was, no, you just shouldn't have a government that tells you you have to say these things that you don't. And if you don't, we will punish you for it. For example, it's not the same as like other words that certain groups of people aren't allowed to say because of social contracts. Say, for example, you know, you shouldn't say the N-word in a derogatory manner because that's a social that's a social thing you have. If you do say it, you're not going to go to jail, but, but you you're going to face the consequences. But you will of what face the consequences think. of what other people think. Whereas with this, it was like, no, if you said something, you could be fined for it, and you could go to jail. When that was the other thing. Uh, was a good point by him. They were like, well, you're not going to go to jail for doing this. He's like, what if I don't pay the fine? Oh, well, then yeah, I guess you go to jail. It's like, so you you do go to jail. Yeah, exactly, yes. Because if I don't want to pay the fine, then I go to jail. So how am I not going to jail for that? Yeah, absolutely. And if it's something that you don't exactly believe in, then why would you pay for it? So I don't, I don't, But I also, I think it's a shame that that's how we had to get to him being as publicly known as he is. Yeah. Because it would have been a lot nicer if just the words of his work could have been the reasons for him to become renowned. Whereas it had to be the fact that a bunch of news stations had put out political hit pieces against him that he became well known but the problem was is that if you were to just read the news articles, he sounds like an absolutely terrible person. Yeah. Wouldn't want to, you know, you couldn't stand him. He seems like he's terrible. It would it would be nice if it got to the point where, you know, his writings could have just came out as what they were and, you know, people were interested and it, you know, built up the general interest and stuff. But the thing that I believe that it's a good thing that happened the way it was was because as People, you see in the UFC, you see Conor McGregor come out and he's always like screaming, he's in people's faces, like, yeah, it's like, and he knows how to draw a crowd. I, I never used to watch UFC. Conor McGregor, I was just like, wow, I want to get around it. And the thing is, bad publicity is good publicity, you know? So, yeah, in, in terms of like him having to speak out, and it's a bloody good thing that he knows what it is that he is talking about and he knows how to handle himself in a conversation because the thing is, it didn't just stop at a couple of news stations wanting to come after him. Oh, all it, it hasn't stopped to this day. No, it hasn't stopped. And the thing is, they have interviews with him trying to prove him wrong. But when Mans is <laughs> so intellectually advanced it's and knows how to work a conversation... You better know what you're talking about because this person is very, very invested into his uh, literature and his philosophy on how he handles himself in everyday life. And that's the thing what me personally drew myself to Jordan Peterson was because I'd watch it. This is, and I, I found him on YouTube and the way he would handle himself in these arguments, personally, I like the way he 
was able to stay calm, uh, look at the look at the point of what is being made towards him, and put it in a way of not trying to make someone feel like a complete idiot, but just breaking down the point and giving you a reason for why you shouldn't like the point. Like, and I like other people like Ben Shapiro and people like that, but the way they handle themselves into making a person feel, you know, <laughs> less inclined to speak up doesn't just doesn't do it for me because you're not working with the person you're working against them whereas jordan i think comes at it as an approach like i'm going to work with you at the best way i can by destructing just your argument taking your argument and you know some people put their identity into their argument so when you start taking their argument and telling them why they're wrong you're breaking apart who it is that they are as people and no one likes that. You don't like when people come in and start saying, you know, all this and that about you and stuff. It makes you very, very uncomfortable. So when he handles himself in these arguments, and some of them do get mad, but he handles it in a way that allows the person to still be comfortable within themselves to answer more questions. And I like that. I think the way he sits up straight, I think the way he talks to people and likes to talk about the things that he's under understands and how to use them in your life i think it's just amazing that he has been able to create this ethos for people to take on board for themselves and be able to handle everyday life it's it's not just taking it in and remembering what he's saying but you begin to transcend what it is that he has given putting it into a perspective for yourself and then when you go to look back on your life you're no longer looking at it from the same perspective. You're looking at it from the perspective of someone that knows how to handle themselves in situations. It's like the courts can be, in a way, put towards the person with the most money. But if you've got a court that's uh, put forward into doing the right thing, the outcome will be completely different. So if you've got your own judgmental sense, which has been changed to look at things from... A broader perspective then the way that you're going to see your past experiences is going to be a completely different way you're no longer judging it from a same perspective you're seeing it from a perspective of looking at it from a broader perspective and that in turn will begin to change how you feel about your past experiences and i've done this personally i used to look at before i started actually reading books and stuff i used to be very uh what's that word just like a like I'm the victim. Very reactionary. Yeah, very. And you you know that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and when I started uh, reading a lot of these books and understanding what it is that they're saying, I noticed that the thing, I, the way I look at it is that I take it in, memorize it, and then I go through it. And then before I, and before I knew it, I knew that my judgment towards things began to change. I, I didn't have the same judge. So the way I handle myself in, in situations now have shifted because I have a broader perspective of how I should handle things to help me have the environment work a little bit more in my favor. I think that's extremely important. I mean, yeah, I guess the positives out of that, the way him coming up the way he did is that you were able to see he wasn't just a man of words, he was a man of action and yeah. that he had... He didn't take on a fight that he didn't have the utility belt to handle. And if he didn't know, he would tell you he didn't know. <laughs> I mean, it was and it kind of in a way, it was a trial by fire and he survived the fire. Yeah. The, the only problem I see with it is now every time he's brought up somewhere in the media, it's alt-right figurehead, blah, 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 blah. And it's, it would be nice. It would be nice. But then again, everything's not nice in certain perspectives. It'd be nice for him to not have that label attached but at the end of the day, he didn't bring that label upon himself. It was how media wanted him perceived that bought that label onto him. Like, for example, if I read the 12 rules in 12 Rules for Life, tell me if this sounds, if this sounds like an, an alt-right book. Here we go. An alt-right can sort of go into resembling a fascist. In yeah, yeah. Tell me, tell me if this sounds fascist. Okay. So, the 12 Rules for Life. Rule one. Stand up straight with your shoulders back. Rule two, treat others like someone you are responsible for helping. Rule three, make friends with people who want the best for you. Rule four, compare yourself to who you were yesterday. 
not who someone else is today. Rule five, do not let your children do anything that makes you dislike them. Rule six, set your house in perfect order before you criticize the world. Rule seven, pursue what is meaningful, not what is expedient. Rule eight, tell the truth or at least don't lie. Rule nine, assume that the person you are listening to might know something you don't. Rule 10, be precise in your speech. Rule 11, do not bother children when they are skateboarding. Rule 12, pet a cat when you encounter it on the street. Did that sound like a fascist, bigoted book? You know, Why do I feel like I want to put a bunch of people in a camp right now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but Wow, that is fascist as hell, man. What the hell? Yeah, God. Jeez. Jesus Christ. All these fascists out here petting cats. Oh, my gosh. But my point is, is like, if you actually read the stuff, if you don't just go off the of headlines and stuff, like a few of those rules sound really obscure and it's because you've got to read into the rule to figure yeah. out. It's kind of like a situation where the rule is found within it and that like say for example pet a cat or pet a cat when you encounter one on the street like the rule is actually within that that's just how it's put as a headline in the book and same with don't stop children when they're skateboarding it was like the whole point of that rule was like would you rather have a child who is protected from any sort of harm like can't accidentally harm themselves can't risk can't learn risk management or any of these other things and go out into the world or would you rather have a strong child who's done all of those things go out into a harsh world and be able to handle it because no matter what the world's harsh it is it's always gonna be you can't stop you can try as hard as you want it's not gonna happen the world is just less harsh (laughs) right now (laughs) so would you rather avoid it all your life or put yourself in a position where you are able to handle that burden so that's why it's like, if you see children skateboarding, don't stop them. Mm. You know, they're doing a risky thing. Yeah, you know, all sorts. But they're learning the rules they need to. Yeah. I, I remember when I was uh, only recently, I read the book, more like an autobiography of the St. Francis of Assisi. And uh, when he had the message from like God to start doing these things to help build up society, uh, build up the church or this and that, you know, the first, first thing he did was he started getting heavy rocks and putting them on a stick and carrying them on his shoulder. And uh, basically what he was doing, he was like, I'm trying to get stronger. I need to get stronger. He knew that what was coming was a challenge. Man was bulking. Yeah, man was, man, man's was getting strong. And he knew that the load that he was about to take on needed a stronger person. So to be able to put that into a broader perspective it's just like yeah you need to try and do something to make yourself stronger because and it wasn't it wasn't that long ago joe rogan said on uh, his his show that he was like uh the reason why i don't get so frustrated with people is because my workouts are just so intense that i just it just calms me down yeah and it's just like there you go <laughs> yeah he even says i'm just calm because i work out yeah so doing things that make you make things easier for you into the general society doesn't sound like a bad thing after all. I'd rather lift some weights <laughs> than continuously get pissed off at a co-worker and shit. Yeah. You know, works works both ways. Yeah, well, it's like if you've come from a really shitty situation and then you've come out of that situation into a better life, well, anything that happens to you that wasn't as bad as that isn't really going to seem that terrible mm. because you've been through worse and you came out the other side Still in one piece. Yeah. So there's no reason you shouldn't come out of this. Still in one piece. Yeah. Whereas if I'm a, say, 40-year-old who's been avoiding struggle my entire life and then a little bit of struggle comes along that I can't avoid, that struggle for me is still going to be the same size as that catastrophic event for that other person because it's the biggest amount of struggle I've been through my entire life. But compared to that other person, it's going to seem like nothing. Yeah. But... Because I don't have that perspective, this amount of struggle is life-ending. Whereas that person's been through worse and made it out the other side. But I don't have their perspective. So, it's the same thing. It's like, if you don't build yourself up through voluntary struggle, then you're never going to get through involuntary struggle. And we, we, our last conversation was yeah. about postmodernism and stuff and how 
perspectives are different for everybody. You know, everyone perceives everything in a different in a different sense. I'm not going to say that you should jump into postmodernism, but I'm but I'm saying that it is in some in a, in a lot of sense true that perspectives differ for everybody. Um, yeah, yeah so is that perspective is so goddamn different. But. Yeah, and it's it, and it doesn't serve as any. It can't serve the broader society in any fundamental way because we need common ground. You and I have a common ground. We can talk and not want to rip each other apart. And it's because we have this commonality here that we actually do have a good conversation and we actually get to go home in one piece, you know. And just from that, it's like it's probably best for you to look at what it is that is happening in society, how everybody else is acting, and try and help yourself by taking in on taking in a little bit of those things that which everybody is doing. Hopefully you do it at a point where it's actually beneficial. Mm. But you can have things work in your favour if you just learn to be a little bit more suggestible towards your environment. Well, I think obviously people out there can feel that something is missing because these two books both sold a lot of coffees. Absolutely, yeah. So, obviously, they must provide something that is not being given anywhere else that's... Or maybe there it is, but it's not easily accessible. Because a book doesn't sell for the sake of selling. It sells because people want to know the context or the context of the book. And... Also, it kind of the second one backs up the first one because if the first one had nothing to offer, then why did so many people then buy the second yeah. one as well? <laughs> I knew as soon as that book came out on that day, I was at the shop buying it. I was yeah. just like, I need it, I need it. I was like yeah. a junkie waiting for his next hit. <laughs> and I do think he toned down... I did. I do think he toned down the religious side of things in the second book. I think he took a different approach. Yeah, oh, yeah, 100%. So, yeah, like the first book, 12 Rules for Life, was about, well, the basic concept was making your life less chaotic by implementing rules and having then a basis to work through the chaos of life. Whereas the second book is about not having too much order and having a balance of chaos. So, it was like one was dealing with pulling yourself out of the fray and the second one was not making yourself an authoritarian. Which is good because it gives you a nice balance between the two sides of it. And I also think it speaks to the understanding that Jordan has because he's read a lot of literature on both sides of that argument. And I think that's also what people are missing because sometimes, yeah, it does feel like life is just a mess. And the first book gives you something to pull you out of that. It goes, hey, you know, stand up with your shoulders back. Stand up straight with your shoulders back. That's a good begin- That's a good start. If your life is in such a mess that even like you're not even doing that, it's like this is a good thing. Get yourself together. Maybe be less agreeable. Stand up for yourself. Whereas some people, it's the opposite. It's you have no freedom. You have nothing no enjoyment, no nothing. It's like, okay, maybe give it, maybe give up a little or maybe relax a little bit. Maybe try and find a nice balance. Don't throw yourself into your own internal prison. And when I think about it, there's nothing, there's nowhere you can really go to get that information. Yeah. Without, especially in two books. Mm. And I also think the two books then if you are genuinely interested in them, then lead you to read more after that. Sorry, before you go any further, you know you know what colour the first book is? It's not white. And this one, it's the 12 black. more rules is black. black. It like yeah. sort of resembles like this oh, yin yeah. and yang yeah. type thing. You know, good and bad. Yeah. Order, disorder. <laughs> well, um, what was it? They said like li- you're living life when you walk the line yeah. between the two of them. Mm. It's like, 
and also like there's the order within chaos but then there's the chaos within order which is like like i said authoritarianism becomes chaos within order there's too much order mm. that then it's a tyrannical reign above you that's chaos yeah and like i said i don't think there's anywhere else like i can't think of anywhere else where i was able to find that information especially just in two books mm. and be able to have it set out so well where it is implementable rules yeah and they're good rules yeah well the funny thing is like the first because jordan uh, 12 rules for life was was the first book that i had uh, actually read yeah and that sort of stand on to like <laughs> I don't know, like 90, 100 other books. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, like, because at that time I had been so... It's a little hard to explain from the perspe- from, from that old perspective that I used to have. It was more or less... When I came out finishing 12 Rules for Life, it was like I almost was like reading magic. It almost just sounded like something of godlike type thing. And um, it was just from a perspective of not being able to quite understand... So, I just kept listening to, like, a lot of other books. And after I, like, kept going and going, I began to, like, understand more and more. And then it was only recently when we said, let's do this podcast. And um, I was, like, reading back through the books. And I was just like, this literally contains the message of 90 to 100 books in one book. It took me... (laughs) It took you a hundred books. It took me, it took, and I'm not mad because not only do I have this very broad perspective, but what I've also found is he's put it in a way that makes it so much easier for people, for just normal people to understand. And I don't mean normal in a bad way. I just like mean everyday Joes that don't exactly have a time, have a lot of time to be reading. So, you know, to, to have uh, Jordan's book as like some type of uh, ethos type thing. It is good, and it will serve you in a really, really good way. And you know, it's it's almost like in a uh, religious sense. You need to follow it religiously. You need to be able to do what it is that he's saying in a religious way in order to create what it is that you're seeking. You know, you're not like you said. You're not exactly opening this book because you haven't got any reason to. It's just like there's obviously something in you that wants you wants yeah. to understand. If you're if you're reading a book that's stating rules to life, obviously you're searching for rules. Yeah. Because you don't know what to follow. Yeah. And also on the religious thing, that's another thing that Peterson has done. Um, is bringing religious stories and archetypes through a scientific and psychological lens which I enjoy because it allows you to get the lesson without the mysticism. And because that was the main thing that put me off reading anything that was religious because it was like, I'm reading something that I blatantly can't believe. So therefore I write off the whole thing. Yeah. Whereas he's been able to make it so you can still get, extract the lessons and stuff out of it. And still understand why it's put in that setting and why that has importance. And some of that includes some of the mysticism, but it almost makes the mysticism reasonable within why it teaches the lesson in that form. And it becomes a lot more meaningful. And I know he copped a lot of uh, criticism for that because it was a lot of secularist and atheist groups that came after him and said like this is not right because he was kind of mainstreaming traditional religion again which those groups had pretty much successfully achieved eliminating (laughs) imagine someone (laughs) coming back and having those types of messages and being like how do we fucking argue this (laughs) and so i thought that was also an interesting thing that he's done as well yeah and also it's implemented a bit through because that was like its separate lecture series that was but it's also done a bit through these books as well and it kind of makes you realize that these lessons have been around forever Mm. i mean in a way he's not saying anything new he's simply reinterpreting many a text and taking the lessons and presenting them in an easy-to-read guide, which is great. 
because it means that if you don't have the time, you can just read those books, listen to them as an audio book. Yeah. It's great. And he, plus he narrates his own audio book as well. So you really get to feel what he means throughout it. Oh, and that's what I 100% love when it comes to him narrating those books because, sorry to throw you off, but like when it gets to an emotional part, you know it's an emotional part. You feel it because he gets to the point where he does start crying and he's yeah. reading it and it's just like, brings you to the point where you're just like, wow. Not only, I can feel feel what he is saying yeah. because he's expressing it through it's like it's like his expression is another language within itself to make people understand um and he's not just being he's not just being a sook but you can see that it's like a very deep thing mm. you know it's like yeah makes you feel that and that's what i love yeah really brings you into that book yeah and i think it's like it's kind of a weird thing because I know he's coughing criticism for saying like, oh, you know, you're promoting masculinity and blah, 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 blah. And like he even says himself, he's like, I'm not a very masculine bloke. He's like, I have pretty high, like high feminine traits. Mm. But he's like, but I do believe that like men need to be men. Yeah. And the thing is like that emotion, you realize how deep he understands it. Yeah. Like when it can bring, when, it, when a lesson can bring you to a point where it has you in tears, that's like, you've spent some time on that. Mm. Like that's, that's intense. Yeah. And what I like is that, is that you've just said then about uh, how he says men will be men is that he says it in a way he said for, for, I, and I can understand why, you know, some of these types would get upset. But the thing is he is able to create a place where men can be men yeah. without destroying everything else around them. You know, it's, and I was actually having a discussion uh, with somebody recently and it was, um, I said, people need rules and they're like, what? So we're going to (laughs) be, you know, we're going to be at a point where it's just like, we're just following these rules and not living our life. And I was just like, you can still live your life. You just bring these rules on to yourself as something that can help you work within the broader society in your best advantage. The point of having rules for everybody is that, you know, it's good that there's crossings at a set of lights and a set of lights work with the crossing. That way there's no people getting hit on a regular basis. You know, we have these, we do have these rules and it creates a system of flow. And, you know, these tribal type groups that are starting to attack these types of people for having such ideas is that we cannot survive in a broader society where there is no common ground. We can start a tribal-like idea, but it's just like, at, at the end of it, it becomes a tribe. Yeah, and a tribe is not very big because there's no common ground. And we look at uh, in history where there is tribes. And uh, let's just say for Australia, the Aboriginals uh, back before colonisation, during before and during colonisation, there was a lot of tribes and the reason why there was a lot of these tribes was because there was no common ground for each for each tribe, and they used to fight on under the under the idea of a um, different language, different um, different understandings of their own archetypes of religion, and uh, they used to, they used to get into these fights because there was no common ground. There was no rules that they shared for each other. And uh, we can tell this because the amount of different, because of how many different languages are in with that, uh, within those, the group of, within those groups of people, you know, we share a common ground in general society. We all seem to, seem to speak English. If you've got different speaking people that only sit within tribes, then it's just like, we, we may look the same. but you don't sound the same and therefore that is wrong. <laughs> yeah, but I would kind of argue that that doesn't really matter as much as having behaviours you agree on. So like moral rules because that's that's really all those books contain. Moral, they don't contain rules that affect like... They don't restrict you physically really. Mm. They're all moral rules. Um, they're all things, they're ways of thinking 
they're behaviors you should enact. Mm. They're things you should take upon yourself, mm. not force them upon others, not judge upon others. It's to develop within your own self. And I feel like if, if you don't even need to speak the same language at that point, you can have common ground in the way that you act. I mean, they say actions are louder than words. Actions speak louder than words. So I feel like what the books do is they give you a common ground in how you should treat other people, how you guys should look at each other, how you guys should listen, not in the way you speak, but in the way you act. Yeah, and I think uh, before like my, my message, what I was saying gets like uh, taken the wrong way, is that what I mean is, is that because there is some type of common ground, there is a there is an ability of flow. Oh, able okay, to yeah. flow with one another better. There's no barriers between yeah. between the two, and with these rules, it's about bringing down those barriers. And between the barrier, what is it that what is it that should be there? Well, rules. Yeah. Because if one person sees one thing and you see the same thing in another way then there is going to be barrier. Well, here's a set of rules to help help you become, to get on the same page as one another. And also, they're rules that tell you to do better. It's not like they're rules. It's not like, ah, uh, here's a rule, but I get to do basically nothing and you get to do everything. We'll both follow the rule. And I say, it's like, no, these rules are meant to take you wherever you are and do better. Yeah. Because if you can do better for yourself, weirdly enough, you can do better for others. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it brings on this uh, responsibility for not just others, but yourself. Mm. It takes a responsible person to have good fortunes yeah. or whatever you can consider to be fortunes. Make but sure your house is in perfect order before yeah. you criticize the world. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we go any further, what is your favorite um, rule within 12 Rules? Tell the truth, or at least don't lie. I like that. I like all of his rules. So yeah. No matter what one you would have said, I would have been like, I like I that. mean, either that or just because there's been so much controversy about it because of the... Did you hear about the whole lobster situation with yeah. rule one? Yeah. yeah. So, stand up straight with your shoulders back. Yeah. Because it's such... And people are going to be like, well, no shit. It's like, yeah, but do you do it? And if you're so lost that you don't even do that. That's starting somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. It's good enough. Yeah. So, like, and when he goes into it, he's like, why it's important. Like, it, yeah. it really speaks to you. And especially, it's your first introduction into any of this. That's where it starts. Mm. And from there, it kind of builds off of that basis. It's something you can do easily, quickly, and every day. Yeah. It's 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 quite funny because like people would have seen it from that perspective of you know him no talking shit. about lobster and stuff, but it's just like when you when you when you say those types of things, it almost seeming it almost seems like you have just taken yourself away from what it is that you are, you know, a manifestation of this whole this entire environment mm. and just like any other animal in a in a, manif a manifestation of this environment and it's just like yeah we do handle ourselves different and differently and some of us are a lot more advanced than other creatures and stuff but we still exist on a similar basis and that's all he was trying to say is that <laughs> well he said like uh lobsters yeah all he was saying with that is what was it the nervous system of a lobster is so similar to that like it's so pronounced that, that like you can map it out and it works so similar to a human's that if you give a lobster antidepressants, it works. It does the same thing for a lobster as it would a human. So that was like what the whole thing was based off. It was like the hierarchies of lobsters, which lobsters have been around before trees, their serotonin and all that works off of where they stand on the hierarchy and a lobster who looks defeated acts defeated and therefore has lower lower serotonin, dopamine, and all that. Whereas a lobster who looks like a champion and acts like a champion and does win, 
they go the serotonin and everything goes up because it perceives itself as being higher on the hierarchy. And he was saying like it's the same thing goes for people. If you act like you're on the bottom and you will be at the <laughs> then you will be on the bottom. If you don't act in a way if you don't feel and act in a way that you know, you're striving for better, you're doing more and you act and feel in a way that you're only going down on a downward spiral, well then, yeah, you will continue to spiral because even when the times or the opportunities come along to change that, you're already going to be in a mood and acting in a way that actively denies those opportunities and actively avoids them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do uh, I do like the way that he handled it. I, <laughs> I don't like how people have like taken it into this uh, seri- and it's exactly what people do when they read the bible they take it seriously they take it quite literally seriously and it's just like you're you're, you're missing the message here <laughs> the best part of it is right in front of you but you're choosing to stick to that thing mm. and uh it's about it's just about keeping an open mind it's you know you need to have an open mind if you want to try and get ahead and you know the, the the thing is with people that choose to hold themselves to what they think and say will only stay in the position of whatever it is that they think and say yeah you know you can you can't move forward there's no you need to you need to be able to absorb information in a way where you can bring it into yourself to make it more fundamental for you for not only your use but for everybody else's use and also that's when like with the rule tell the truth or don't lie mm. Lying can have unintended consequences. Absolutely. And that's one thing. He's like, if you're in social situations that don't have like a what you should and shouldn't do, just tell the truth. Because mm. he said, then you know what the consequence is going to be. If you lie, you don't know where you're going to end up. And But it's the same thing with taking information in. If you're constantly lying to yourself about who you are and what you do, what are you building yourself on? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's you're the whole an idea. Un- of- you're an unstable mess of stories that you're going to have to keep updating in your head. I had a friend like that. And it just it never worked out. We we didn't remain friends because as I like at first when our friendship was fresh, I didn't know him like that well. So you know when he was telling talking to me about himself, it was just like, wow, you sound like a really decent bloke. And the more I began to investigate like his life, what he does, and uh, what it is that he how he acts in the in the broader sense towards people the message became more clear he's not exactly what he's like because and also on top of that the message keeps changing because he doesn't exactly know who he is and you know i don't look at it from i don't wish to uh make this person feel like an idiot because i find that more of like a a situation of being really lost within themselves and these types of books can definitely help you. But for the broader perspective of like trying to make friends that eventually catch on, it becomes very hard, you yeah. know? And it's at the point now where it's just, I, I, I wouldn't be able to be in the same room as that person anymore. I think he has the potential of being a really good person. But at the same time, I see him and I'm like, I can't be in the same room as you. It make it kind of makes me sick. It's 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 almost to the point where it's revolting yeah. towards to me to be around this person because it doesn't it doesn't serve me in any way. And it's just hard. Uh, uh, it's 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 very it's a bit of an agi- irritating. But also, you don't know who you're friends with. There you go. Yeah, exactly. You don't and know what person you're going to get each day. Like it was it was kind of a weird way of looking at it, but I guess it's kind of true. When you lie, you're trying to bend reality. Mm. You're trying to change what is real. And the problem is what is actually real is always going to be there. Yeah. You can try and bend it as much as you can, but as soon as someone cons- comes in contact with that little piece of reality, your story shatters. Yeah. And so, therefore, that part of that person in your mind disappears. Mm. And so it's like, well, how many more times can I do this? Like, I don't know who you are. Mm. I know who you've told me who you are, but I don't know what's real. Exactly. That's why when people try and tell me about friends that are like, uh, 
like this is if you and I were together and I were to start describing a friend to you oh, and we're I just together like, now. <laughs> <laughs> and like I was about to bring my friend into your into the circle and you were about to meet him and stuff but for the first week I spent all this time like telling you about him and giving you this like obscured view of him and then you meet him and it's not to your expectations and it's just like well now you feel like you can't really yeah. talk to me about the subject it's just like I see you, you. I've just told you how I feel about him. Yeah, you've seen it, and you're like, oh, I don't think so. But well, it's now, just, now it's also like, well, now how do you view me? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, and this is the unintended consequence of lying. Yeah, so I, that's why I, I, the way I look at it is that, like, sometimes when I do describe someone, I try to, I try not, I, and I used to do this, but but now I try to just say, give a small description, and allow the person to figure out who they think they are because it's it's just, it's not my decision at the end of the day for how people should view one another. I feel like it would be at a worse consequence if I told someone that this is how, who they were and then you met them and it was like nothing like what I had said. Then it's just like, it just becomes like, I don't know where I stand between these two people now. It's just like, I kind of feel like an outsider. Yeah. So it's just like, allow other people to have their perception of how they view one another and it's just like we don't see each we don't see one another in the same sense so it's just like don't try and force that and i, and I really cannot stand when people try to make people sound better than what they really are and it's just like allow me mm. my that's my responsibility to think of those such things yeah because when you come across that person you almost you do you feel cheated almost it's like yeah you do you're like well uh, they're not what i thought it's like <laughs> It's like being catfished. (laughs) One thing that I actually don't like is when people try to say to me, like try and make this person sound so good that they have to put me down in the process. Like, oh, you know this, but they know it better. And it's just like, do you know me? (laughs) (laughs) Because sometimes I'm just like... (laughs) It almost brings me to the point where it's just like I do when I do meet this person. It's almost like I want to like be like, all right, what is it that you think that you know? Let's do this. And yeah, it's but it's also like, a disservice to the other person because oh, now absolutely. they've got a weight on their shoulders they're not aware of. Yeah, it's like another unintended consequence of lying. Yeah, it's like once this small lie can spiral off into a massive boulder, and like, it's not even about lying about other people. It's even it's even worse if you lie about yourself. Yeah, because the thing that falls apart is you and you're all you've got. So if you don't even know who you are or no one else knows who you are and you want to interact with those people, God, you're in a lot of, you're in a lot of strife. You're only going to, you're only going to say what pleases the other person or what would make them see you in a better way. You know, you can see the direction of a conversation. Mm. And like, I, I feel like because I, and like the friend I was talking to about recently, I feel like I have a very broad understanding of what, uh, of what those types of people do in social situations because I have watched, I've experienced it and I've sort of, I know it sounds horrible, but I played around with it to see if I could find out more. And, those types of people will only look at the situation and take whatever it is that they can and use it on themselves to benefit them to try and get to the top because at that point in time, they know they're at the bottom. That What they don't know is that you're just having a conversation but what they think is that you're at this top because you perceive it at the top. So what's your objective? Allow what they're talking about in my favour so I can be at the top. And then it turns into this uh, type of dominance. And it's just like, none of us are dominating each other here. We're, we're simply working at... You're just lying to each other. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, well, the more that you go further with what you're saying, I know that you don't exactly know what you're talking about. And I'm more inclined to pull you up on it because you're acting in a way that makes you think that you are better than us. And it's just like, this, was, this had nothing to do with the conversation. This had everything to do with you trying to one-up everybody mm. and now it's crashed your world is crashing in on you because i know what it is that you're doing but and and i mean like i'm not i'm not gonna act like i'm a saint like i've definitely lied mm. and i've definitely lied to myself but i've also found out that that doesn't work out too great 
No, and no. that it's really not beneficial in the long run. And so I should try and minimize it as much as I can. I mean, I can't a hundred percent say to myself that I don't lie to myself at all. I'm sure there's some things that if I, you know, if I need to get through it, I lie to myself and say, yeah. blah, blah, blah. but to minimize that as much as possible to get it to like zero is like the most beneficial thing mm, absolutely. in that situation because if you just keep lying and you keep and the other problem is is you can tell yourself a lie so much that it becomes true mm. in your head the problem is your head that lie doesn't line up with what's actually happened or what is actually present I mean, it's like saying that I'm, let's say I said I was a pro basketball, you know, I'm in the state team trying out for the uh, NBL and then somebody who plays basketball, just a local club, so, all right, well, let's, you know, let's go shoot some hoops. I get my ass absolutely fucking whoops. It's like, well, now what? Mm. I lied. I also lied to them. I've wasted their time. I've wasted my time. There's no benefit that comes out of it. I'm now going to look like a joke. You knowing me are now going to start questioning other things that I've said because it's like, well, if you lied so willingly about that, what else have you also lied about? Mm. So then you start to distrust me. That person thinks I'm an idiot. I start to think to myself, oh, shit, I've got to go into like panic mode. Like, you know, I can't get, I can't get ratted out anymore. It's just... <laughs> it's, yeah, it becomes... It can, it, a lie doesn't exactly have a... Uh um, There's no end point. Yeah, but at first, a lie doesn't exactly have a uh, a um, what's that thing like a negative reaction at the start, unless that person knows that you are lying. Yeah. You know, it doesn't it doesn't affect you then. It delays it delays the negativity. Yeah, so it gets to the point where a lie. But the problem is time compounds. Exactly, and the more time you spend with that person, well, the more time you, you spend think, with that lie. Yeah. And then it comes to the point where they, you, the perceiver of this person that has lied to you, has, and you've seen that, seen that person from that perspective for so long, then it's a site where you begin to question their whole, yeah. uh, per, their whole personality. You don't, and that, and that, and that's a problem because one lie about your entire self yeah. in time, from another person's perspective, can be the structure that has made you who they think that you are the problem is it's easy to lie exactly and it, it, yeah it exa- exactly and what i what i and this is the thing i don't like being i don't like lying i don't like lying and most of the time when i do something bad or something where i like i know that in the end i am wrong i'll straight away just admit to it yeah. it's so much it i'd rather be i'd rather look like a fool in the moment than have someone call me out and just like have this disgusting view of me you yeah. know I just want to quickly like say one of my favorite rules from uh, yeah, Beyond Order. So I was going to say we've been talking. I wanted to ask you. So I reckon the first rule was probably my favorite: do not carelessly de- denigrate so- social institutes or achievements. Yeah. Um, it's kind of pointing out the fact that you know all this stuff is built around you yeah. and has lifted you up, and now you turn around and carelessly say, "Well, be gone." Mm. You don't know what that's holding you above. You don't know once you move that pillar, how far the platform falls. Where do you end up? You don't know because, especially for people our age, there was, we've never lived in a time where those things weren't there. So how could you possibly know? Mm. You can go read what's happened in the past. It's not pretty. So why carelessly? Now, if you feel you have good, if you if you have your house in perfect order, and that's where I feel like this ties in together, is that you can clean your room, yeah, before you start going out and telling how society should operate. If you have your house in perfect order, if you're if you've got everything down pat, and then you can identify actual problems in an institution, then you should address the problem. You shouldn't throw out the whole institution. Absolutely, yeah. And I, the reason why I like this subject so much is because on a similar sense, 
I used to kind of do the same thing. It was my lack of understanding of the thing that has been created around me that, you know, it's like this whole idea of, you know, you can stack a bunch of bricks on top of one another to build a house and it's that tiny little brick that you pull out that collapses the whole house in. It's it's kind of like that, you know, you can you can want to pull out that little piece, but that whole piece is the thing that keeps this whole house in its in its structure that it's that it is now. So when I started reading uh, Thomas Sowell's basic understanding of economics and all those types of things, start reading about like finance books and all those types of things, I'm like, I cannot believe that I used to put it down to such a thing of individual yeah like it's just it's, it's it's much broader than that it's very ignorant of me to say such a thing and to denigrate that that which i have done nothing in terms of just going to work every day and maintaining its structure it's just like i don't know i have no idea i have absolutely no fucking clue yeah we're all stu- how I mean, complex this is we're all stupid and and the fact is and this is and this is where I, where i like to put my argument forward is that you can you can uh you can like look at it from the lower perspective let's put it this way you can look at it from that perspective but then you also can't be mad at someone else for having another perspective Mm. because at the end of the day you both know nothing yeah or let's say you know you see it a certain way and then somebody who works say in the institution or whatever that you taught that you're criticizing comes out with a different opinion. There's probably a fit, but even then, well, here, even so then, it's like we work in a warehouse. Doesn't mean I understand everything about that place. So no. it's like you shouldn't. They hire specific people to yeah to do that, and you can't absorb all those people into yourself. Mm. I mean, it's just not possible. And sorry, I had forgot, but it's come back to me. But it's just like. How is it that we have been able to build, like compound and compact so many of different levels of a society that it has got to the point where we have benefited so greatly? Why isn't it that everything is such a huge clutter and a mess? It's yes. still so organized. Something has to be working. <laughs> exactly. And it's just like... You, you know, you can you can buy a shit ton of nice furniture for a beautiful house, but if you don't know how to organize that furniture in a way that has not just value of furniture, but value of utilizes good look, what the furniture is for as well. Yeah, and good look, then you know you've just got a bunch of nice shit I mean, in just, a in a mess. <laughs> you've got a bunch of wood cushioning and leather. Yeah, and it's organized, so we can. To, to, to put things into a, a position of because one bad thing is happening there that the rest of society should pay for it is just completely ignorant. And my and my argument also to those types of things is like, can you name another thing that has like allowed society to come to this point to prosper so greatly? Yeah. Like, is can you tell me another time where poverty was quite literally almost removed from society yeah, it's like it may not be perfect but it's the best we've got and you know what you know something is working when the standards of poverty get higher and higher mm. it's just like what 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 makes someone live in what is considered to be someone living in poverty in australia well earning under us under a certain percentage of money and it's and it's just like well how how much money and it's just like well we could just say felt we could just say a thousand dollars. No, it's it's like twenty thousand dollars, and it's just like it's not nothing. Yeah, it's still something, and you can still make it work. I mean, someone someone would kill you for that amount of money in another country. Exactly, and it's just like when you when you want to say that that is bad, and we've got everything else working in a perfect harmony on, of one another. Maybe instead. Depending on the situation, I'm not going to say that you should start doing better because I understand that certain situations can have people left in a point where it's just like they can't literally do anything like rural areas and other things like that. But like if you're someone that is in a situation where your life could be better and you're not choosing to do better. Or you're choosing to not see how it could be better. Exactly. And then it's just like, well, you're 
your choices are the reason for your own downfall. And it's just like, that's not society's fault. That's an individual responsibility. You succumb to your habits. It's your fault, yeah. Not your goals. Exactly. So do not denigrate social institutions and uh, creative achievements is a perfect title and a perfect uh, set of uh, examples within that rule. It literally gives you just a... (laughs) the cherry to chew on before you enter the pie, you know, in a society, it's good. It gives you the understanding. And that's where like I started going further into understanding certain things of economics that I was just like, okay, I need to, I need to stop talking the way I do because I sound not only like an idiot, but I sound, but you're being, you're being dishonest without, um, without, without even trying, you're being dishonest. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, Try and try to do better. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you're constantly blaming everyone else and nothing's nothing good is happening, it's just like maybe you should question what you're doing wrong. Yeah, yeah. I think we should begin wrapping it up. But I I, I do think that people people that may be listening should uh, definitely investigate a little bit more of Jordan Peterson and his twelve rules. I think if you are someone that doesn't exactly want to invest a whole lot of time reading a book jordan has a lot of information on his youtube podcasts and uh, you can find other sources of figuring out what it is that jordan's trying to advocate for um but i do highly advise people that they should that they should read his book and also if they do want to understand more to these rules like i said when I first read 12 rules, I thought, I thought it was magic. And then I started investigating further into different types of things to broaden my perspective. Yeah. And it's just like, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt. And like we were talking earlier about the book of Job and stuff, it was just like, it got to the point where Job was no longer, if you put it this perspective, he was no longer seeing God the same way. He had more, more of his understanding, more than what his past understanding of God had to offer him now that it was just like he had to recreate a new version, a broader understanding of what could be considered of God. And uh, it's like that, you know, you can get, you can, you can have a smaller understanding and not be so truthful to, to, to yourself. Or you can try and broaden that perspective, throw, throw yourself away from what you can consider to be God and try and figure out what it is that makes you have that truth within you and perfect thing to have in that is a very open mind i have constantly when i read books when i listen to some of these books and read them i almost chuck myself away at some points it's just like because some of them make me question everything that that it is i know and it's just like i'd rather lose myself for that split second to have many many days many years of good understanding and it has definitely worked out for me yeah yeah well, that's it would you rather be ignorantly blind or uncomfortable but oh, i don't even know how to word that would you rather be ignorantly blind and uncomfortable no, for well i mean would you you would you rather be Ignorantly blind, comfortable, and then not know if you're right or wrong. Mm. Or make yourself uncomfortable, go out there, find out what's what, and then find out other things that may point in other directions. Mm. It's going to take you a while. It's going to make you feel uncomfortable as hell. But you're going to feel a lot more grounded within yourself that you've gone out there and you've taken time and effort to do it. And... Worst case scenario, oh gosh, you learned something. Oh, <laughs> God, we wouldn't want that now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but um, yeah, like, I don't know. It just, I mean, for me personally, it kind of just seems, seems like common sense. But I mean, I understand there are definitely limitations on your ability to do that. Yeah, if you're working all the time, if you've got, you know, kids to look after and stuff. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. That's going to be difficult as hell to do. And I, I get that. But, you know, if you're doing nothing else... Why not find out if you could be doing something else? Yeah. You know, why not find out if there are ways of thinking that 
you're not aware of. I mean, I've definitely, I mean, I've read books on things that I don't agree with at all, as <laughs> I'm, sure the, <laughs> I'm sure the uh, postmodernism podcast was a prime example of just how much I loved that. Um, and don't be wrong, I do learn some things. I think their points of view do have some validity to them, but it also keeps me more grounded in why I feel the way I feel about those things. Mm. I don't question it as much, although I do feel like I should should always question it. I shouldn't be 100% locked on anything. But being able to have more of a grounding, knowing that I have taken a peek over the other side of the fence, mm. makes me feel feel better within myself. Yeah, well, each time you put yourself in an uncomfortable situation, you keep moving the goalpost of where, what you can consider to be comfortable. Mm. And that's a good part because before you know it, <laughs> you might have a you might be able to have a full foot in somewhere that you don't like being. Well, we're a bit over an hour now, so I reckon we'll, we'll wrap it up. Yeah, all right. No worries. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys, for listening. Uh, make sure to follow us on Instagram and chuck us a subscribe on the YouTube channel. Until next time, see you guys later. Catch ya. Ciao.